Thank you, Jeff, and praise team and band. Good to see everybody, uh, both here live and in person, as well as uh, many of you worshiping the Lord with us online, and we do welcome you. Jeff, I did what you suggested. I, I feel a little guilty as I'm trying to worship and I'm pushing my share button, but you know, it's all good. We invited people to join in with us, and we're so glad that you are, by the way. I know many of you um, are at home or wherever you may be, and you're worshiping God with us here at Great Hills. So much going on in our world, in our nation, in our churches, all across our land. And so we're just privileged and blessed of God, are we not? To be able to be here today, to have freedom, to enjoy these freedoms, uh, to worship our great God. Speaking of people online and our media ministry, I appreciate so very much our worship and media ministry here at Great Hills. They do so many things behind the scenes and I just appreciate them. Corey Hatch is our, worship, is our media uh, pastor. And he has some needs. He just needs people who are kind of technical, a little technical savvy, but if you're not, that's okay. He said he can train you in all dimensions that you can see as far as words on the screen, running cameras, and there's a whole nother labyrinth. The catacombs are back here, and it's this elaborate setup where we need people with our live stream. So if you're interested, you can send info at ghbc.org, and that would help our worship. I keep calling him our worship pastor. It's not our worship pastor, it's our media, our media pastor. While I'm making a couple announcements, as you're turning to Acts chapter 10, ooh, I'm so excited about this message today. We're gonna look at more than meets the eye, and for lack of a real creativity, I'm just gonna call it part two, okay? Here we go, part two, more than meets the eye, Acts chapter 10. We'll begin reading in verse nine. And we're going to read on through verse 23. But as you're turning there and you get in your minds and your heart prepared to read the Word of God and study it with me today, tonight at 6 o'clock, I really want to invite you and encourage you to come back. My favorite preacher in all the world will be here preaching for us. His name is Johnny Hunt, Pastor Johnny Hunt from the North American Mission Board. Of course, he pastored the First Baptist Church in Woodstock for uh, 30 years, a great church there in uh, the uh, greater Atlanta area. And praise God, he's going to be with us. And then in the morning from about eight till noon, we're going to be meeting here and sharing messages and encouraging one another in how to engage our lost culture and share with them. It's free six o'clock tonight and then eight o'clock. And if you're coming in the morning, I think there's still time to go online and register. Who's your one? You can go to who's your one. Uh, com there and you can register. But man, it's just good, good, good to be in the house of the Lord, to worship him, to be able to preach his word. And so I'm gonna ask you if you would just join me in studying this passage of scripture. Jesus said he's looking for people, the father is, to worship him in spirit as well as in truth. Spirit refers to more of the emotional, the affectations of the heart. And then in truth, our minds our intellect, our cognitive ability, so that when we come into God's presence, we are worshiping Him in spirit, with emotion, and with heart, and also with our minds and our syllogism, our reasoning, our logic, and all of this we do, we offer it up as a gift of praise and worship uh, to our great God. So here we are in Acts, studying the book of Acts. The series is entitled Church on the Move, and today's message is, as I said earlier, it's just more than meets the eye. A lot of times these things happen. There's a whole lot going on that we cannot see with our physical naked eye. For example, a number of years ago, it was right before 8 a.m. And there was a violinist in the metro station there in Washington, D.C. 
I don't know if you've ever been, that's one crowded, crowded place. It's a lot like the subway stations in London, which I've been in, and in New York City, which I've been in, and there's all kinds of things happening. Have y'all ever seen those guest performers in those places? They're playing a violin or they're playing a guitar or drums and they're singing and, and, or whatever. And people pass by and they have a little bucket, you know, they have a little opportunity for you to do what? Give them a little money. Well, this guy, he played for 43 minutes. He played six classical pieces. 1,097 people passed by in 43 minutes. Seven people stopped and gave $32. But the person playing the violin was Joshua Bell. <laughs> he purchased this violin in 17, uh, he didn't purchase it in 1714, but it was created in 1714 by Antonio Stradivarius himself for $4 million. And by the way, studying this more this week, he, saw, he could sell it today for $14 million. So he was playing and people passed by because there was so much more there than met the eye. Well, it was part of a study. The Washington Post did a study and they wanted to test um, mankind to see in a banal, nor ordinary situation, would people recognize genius? Would they slow <laughs> Would they slow down? By the way, just a couple of nights before in Boston, Massachusetts, he packed out the, the hall there and people were paying tons of money. Two weeks later, he was in another concert. I mean, wall to wall, people are standing to hear Joshua Bell play the violin. But that day, almost 1,100 people just passed him by. Some gave a few bits of change and he played six classical pieces on a 1714 Stradivarius. I submit to you today, that the same thing is happening in our country. There's a whole lot more going on in Oregon, in Washington, in California, in Austin, than what meets your eye. We may think there's just a political battle going on between Republicans and, and Democrats, and we've never seen such a divide. Or we may think that there is, uh, you, you know, there's an election coming up, they tell me, in November. And, and I'm telling you, all of this is important. But let me tell you what's really going on. There is a battle for the soul of the United States of America. And it's happening right before our eyes. Will we be a nation of anarchists? Will we be a nation of law and order? Will we be a nation of chaos? Or will we be a nation that will go back and be grounded to our moorings, to our foundation, to what John Adams said, unless America has religious people in it, she will not make it. And I think that's kind of where we're going. There is more going on in our country than meets the eye. And the same thing could be said for Acts chapter 10. I'm gonna read this text to you and, and you're gonna look at it and go, what is so significant here that, that I'm missing? Because what happens in Acts chapter 10 results in you being here today. How about that? So, whoa, wait a minute, good, good. wake up, honey. He's got time, I'm here today. What happened to me? You know, I'm, what, what, what's going on in this text? Well, let's read it. I, want to I promise you, as you read it and you get into the nuances and the details and the exegesis with me today, which I'm so excited you're excited about that, amen. But I want you to remember now, something is going on. Something gigantic 
something so momentous. There's a crescendo building so that something will happen so momentous that the church of God will be forever changed because of Acts chapter 10, more than meets the eye. The next day, as they went on their journey, uh, these three men out of Caesarea by the sea, they journeyed, can I fill in some gaps for you? It took them two days, they traveled 30 miles. And they drew near the city where Peter was, a city called Jaffa or Joppa near Tel Aviv. And Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour. Now that would be about noon. Peter's up on the, he's on the roof, probably crawled up there through a ladder. There was an awning, there was a sheet, there was something up there because it's the bright noonday sun. And Peter's up there praying and he became very hungry. It's lunchtime. I tell you, there's some things that just transcend all cultures. When it's lunchtime, you get hungry and he wanted to eat. But while they made ready, they prepared lunch downstairs, he fell into a ecstasis, is the Greek word. Ecstasis sounds a lot like ecstasy. It means a displacement of the mind. In other words, he fell into this trance and really he, he saw this vision. He saw heaven opened and an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, you with me? Four corners, a big white sheet descending to him and let down to the earth. In this sheet were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. In other words, what came down out of that sheet were things like cows, which were very uh, appropriate and kosher for Jews to eat. But come on, church, there were some creeping things, creeping things you do not eat if you are a Jew. There are probably some pigs in the blanket. I just thought that's pretty good. I just now thought of that. There were some pigs in the blanket. There were some flying fowl. There were some things that were kosher and some things that was not kosher for a Jew to eat. And a voice came to him, the voice of Christ, and says, rise up, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter said, <laughs> by the way, these are two words you never should put together, Lord and no. <laughs> we, we should not do that. Not so, Lord. I have never eaten, guys with the uh, with the pro presenter and the, and the, and the hold, hold on to this verse for just, let me say something. I have never eaten anything common or unclean. One translation has the force of it that goes like this. I have never eaten anything common or unclean and I'm a, not about to start right now. Are y'all with me? Peter, he's, he's, in a, he's in a way. He's a Jew. He's not like the Gentiles. In fact, the Jews and the Gentiles don't really get along very well, and they are separated. They are demarcated. One is clean, one is unclean. Watch this, just like these animals. See what's going on? There's a lot going on. Okay, let's go to the next one. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done, church, how many times? Is that significant? How many times did Peter deny Jesus? How many times did Jesus say to Peter, feed my lambs, feed my sheep? How many from the delegation from Caesarea by the sea had made their way to Joppa to visit Peter? Three people. There's a lot going on here. This was done three times and the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, while Peter wondered within himself what this 
ecstasis, this moment of ecstasy, this bewilderment of the mind, this vision which he had seen meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, boy, he was thinking about the vision, let me tell you. He was, God was messing him up. Has God ever messed you up? Has God ever rocked your world? Has God ever displaced you from your tradition and your religiosity and your entrenchment so that when God comes in, he goes, look, you, you're walking down the wrong path. You need to get on my path. And this is what God is doing with Peter. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold, three men are looking for you. Arise, watch these four very impactful, powerful statements in verse 20. The first two are aorist imperatives. They're literally commandments. Get up and go down. That's what, that's what Jesus told Peter. Arise, go down, and this is a participle, and go with, as you're going with them, Peter, do not doubt me in any fashion. Stop doubting, the voice says, for I have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, <laughs> they said, well, Cornelius, now we've seen his name many times. We saw his name uh, last week. Cornelius, he is a, uh, a Roman centurion. He's a just man, he's a righteous man, one who fears God. Remember, he's a God-fearer, he's not a Jew. He's not a proselyte, he's a God-fearer and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. That, that's pretty powerful, right? That's very kind of them to say this about their boss. Well, he was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then Peter invited them in Y'all reading the same Bible I am? What's up with that? What's going on with that? Why is a Jew inviting a Gentile delegation into the home in which he's staying? Do y'all know that was forbidden? That is not kosher. You do not do that. You don't eat pigs and you don't invite the pigs in the house. No, I'm serious. Man, what a timely passage of scripture for us today. Because in our land, we, we've got this We've got a group, we've got people that believe in uh, this ethnocentrism, which says that my culture or my skin or my way of life is superior to your skin and your culture and your way of life. You say, are you talking about white people? Yeah. You talking about black people? Yeah. It's on both sides. We are a nation so divided by racism and Jesus Christ says, I can cleanse you and I can heal you from all of that. Just like there is no Jew, there is no Gentile, Galatians 3.28. There is no slave. There is no free. We are all one in Christ Jesus. So when he invited them in and lodged them, folks, there's a whole lot more going on than what meets the eye. It's a powerful passage of Scripture, a timely passage of Scripture. Goodness, we've been preaching Acts for <laughs> a long time. And it just so happens that we hit chapter 10 
right in the middle of a pandemic and a chaos and social unrest and mercy. God is so good. On the next day, Peter went away with them. Mm-mm-mm. And some brethren, every word is just so important, guys. Don't, don't miss any of this. Some brethren, Acts 10, 28 says, six more Jews joined him, making a, a delegation of seven. That's a pretty significant number, right? And some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So what I want to do with this text today is there's, there's just a whole lot going on. And this is a narrative, a sermon, uh, meaning that th- there's a lot of movement. There's a lot of uh, conflict. There's key characters. There's, there's a resolution coming. We're not going to reach the, revolu- <laughs> the resolution until we get down into the, the final uh, verses of the chapter. But let's, first of all, let's just start with this whole vision that is going on. And I tried to bring this out in the public reading of the, of the Word of God. That the next day they went on their journey and they drew near to the city. And remember the background, what is going on. There's a man named Cornelius. He's had an angelic vision. A person has come to him and made it very, very clear to him that there's a man named Peter. The apostle Peter is residing in a place, in a home, in a man's name. His name is Simon the Tanner, who deals in taxidermy. And he is in Joppa. And Cornelius gets one of his soldiers, remember this? And he gets two of his household servants. And he tells those guys, he exegetes them. He explains to them the angelic vision. And then he says, I want you to go 30 miles. It's going to take you two days. But I want you to go and get this man Uh, named Peter who's staying in this house. So this Peter has this, he gets hungry and he has this ecstasis. And and by the way, this word hungry, I think this was really interesting. This time, this is used only one time. There's a lot of wind blowing up here, a lot of air conditioning blowing. My my notes are going and my my Bible's turning pages, but it sure does feel good. It feels so good, air. Can y'all see this? Y'all feel that? No, you can't feel it, but I can. And hungry. Prospinos, prospinos. Only time this word is used in the Greek New Testament. Watch this. There's only one other time that they can find this word translated hunger in all of antiquity in secular literature. And guess who it was used by? It was used by a man by the name of Demosthenes Ophthalmicus. Ophthalmicus. Thomology, what kind of doctor was he? He was an eye doctor. This man, many believe, Luke, who wrote the book of Acts, studied under this guy, ophthalmicus. Now today we have ophthalmology. And Luke, remember, is a first-rate historian. He's a medical doctor. He is a brilliant person, Luke, who wrote the gospel of Luke, who wrote the book of Acts. I got so excited to share this with you. Who did Luke travel with in his missionary journeys who had poor eyesight? Paul. Isn't that interesting? That God does not always prevent difficulty from coming into our lives, but God always provides help in our time of need. Isn't that cool? I just thought that was so cool. And I'm just studying this going, God, this, this is really amazing. And that's verse 10. I'm glad you are as excited as I am. Well, anyhow, let, me, let me move on to 
the trance, the ecstasis, the displacement of the mind. It means to be utterly astonished. Verse 11, in this vision, Peter had while in this stage, he saw heaven open. Now this is serious stuff, y'all. This heaven is open and Peter's in this trance. He, 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 He's in his mind, but he's out of his mind. I, I don't understand. I've never had this happen to me, by the way. I'm just saying Luke is recording what happened to the apostle Peter. Verse 12, the contents within the bound sheet are revealed to Peter. He saw the four-footed animals. Some of them were cloven hooves. You could eat those. Other creeping things, flying fowl, I believe pigs in the blanket. Like I said earlier, there are lots of things going on here. And it's interesting to me that Jesus has already dealt with this. In Mark chapter 7, 18 through 20, you don't need to turn. Let me just share with you what Jesus said. Jesus said, why are y'all so hung up on what you eat? Because you know, it's not what goes into a man, what he eats that defiles him. It's what? It what comes out of the heart, what comes out of the mouth, that covetousness and lust and adultery and all of those things that, you know, that's just meat. That's just food that you can eat that. That there's, that should not be taboo or forbidden because let me tell you what's more important. What's more important, not so much what you put in your mouth, what's more important is what comes out of your mouth. And so Jesus has already dealt with this, but Peter missed it. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> has God ever dealt with you or tried to deal with you about something and you just missed it? And God had to kind of shake you and jostle you and, and get your attention. I don't know about you, but I relate more to this apostle than any other apostle. I'm not the mystic, the seer like John is. I'm more like this hard-headed guy named Peter who sometimes just does not get it. And by the way, that's why discipleship is so important because we, <laughs> we stray, our minds wander. We, we, Romans chapter seven, we intend to do very, very good, but oftentimes we do not do very good. And Peter even though he was matured and discipled by Jesus somewhere between 18 months and three and a half years, and even though he did all of those things for Peter, Peter still has a ways to go because he is saying, I never eat any of that mess and I'm not about to eat any of that mess. And, and there he is arguing with the Lord. That's why discipleship is so important. That's why everybody needs to be in small groups of discipleship. Men with men, Women with women, we all, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Can you imagine if Great Hills Baptist Church, if this really caught on, and by the way, it's, it's starting to happen. We're starting to see little small groups of people, disciples making disciples who are making disciples. Can you imagine what that would look like in our church? And, and I got a, I, I, I got a good, good word from one of our pastors this week. He says, all of us should be from two to four. Daniel Van Cleve, thank you for sharing that with me. You say, well, I'd like that. I'd like to be in a discipleship group. Info at ghbc.org. You send that email. And one of our pastors will gladly read it, look at it, and we'll do whatever we can to help us disciple each other and grow in our walk with God because all of us need it, even this guy, even Peter needed it. Verse 13, the divine voice of Jesus Kill and eat are aorist imperatives. This is not a suggestion. Kill it and eat it. And in verse 14, typical Peter, even in a trance, <laughs> even in a trance, he gives this remonstrance, right? He gives this rebuttal to Jesus and says, no, 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 I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do it if it kills me. Does that look familiar? Okay, can I just 
demonstrate. No, no, I'm not going to go witness that person, Lord. I'm not going to do it. I don't even like them. And God's like, what? I put you where I put you so that you would be a neighbor to them so that you could influence them for the gospel. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I've given you this talent. I've given you this ability to, to sing or to play an instrument and to, and to, and to, to be all that I've wanted you to be. No, no I'm not going to do it. No, I'm just, just not going to do it. Lord, no. That, 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 that doesn't work. You can't say Lord and then say no. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all, right? So now how do we do this? Say Lord, yes. Let's do that. So we'll say Lord, then I want y'all to say comma, yes. On the count of three. By the way, this will be the first time that many of y'all said yes to the Lord in a long time. Woo. I'm going to get away from that. Somebody's going to start throwing something. I don't want them to hit me. On the count of three, what am I doing? What is he saying? He's crazy. What is he saying? Lord, comma, yes. Okay, I got that. On the count of three. One, two, three. Lord, comma, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, Lord. That's the right answer. And by the way, toward the end of the story, Peter gets it. Because Peter says, come on delegation of six Jews. <laughs> I'm about to rock your world. We're about to go to the house of a Gentile. Ooh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Not only a Gentile, but he works for the dreaded Roman army. Oh my word, what is the world coming to? Jesus says, that's right. Not only is he a Gentile, but he's part of the occupation army and I want you to go to his house and spend some time with him. Wow, there's a lot going on in here. Verse 15, the divine voice comes to him a second time and says, what God has cleansed or declared clean, you must not call common. And here I think it's where Peter begins to have a crisis of faith. As Henry Blackaby says, when you're in your crisis of belief, what you do next really determines what you believe to be true about God. Will he continue to instruct God or will he humble himself and trust that God knows best? Oh, there's so much more here than what meets the eye. There, there are animals and clean things, unclean things. And one writer puts it like this. He says, this is all a parable. This is F.F. F. Bruce. The divine cleansing of food in the vision is only a parable. It's just a parable of the divine cleansing of human beings in the incident to which the vision leads. Let, let me share Galatians 3.28. I quoted it a moment ago, but I just think it's so important as we're talking about this, this vision. There's neither Jew nor Greek. Are you with me? There's neither white nor black or Asian or Hispanic or European or African-American, no. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's no slave or free. We, they're not even male or female. We are all one in Christ. Wow. What if that message got out to the highways and the byways of our nation? What if this message of hope and forgiveness and redemption, you see, the enemy is doing everything in his power to keep the church quiet because if we will only be quiet, then we will continue towards anarchy. We will continue towards chaos and conflict and warfare, this race against this race, this color against this color. And all the while, the church of the living God, we have the answer. 
And all we got to do is rise up and just speak the truth in love. Oh my word, revival would come. Our nation would be saved and would be changed if the church of the living God would speak up. You say, well, I have a hard time speaking up. Well, come tonight. How about that? Come tonight at six o'clock. Come tomorrow. We're going to train you. I'm going to be one of the speakers. I know you hear me all the time, but if you can get off work and come, come here, Catherine Renfro. My word, she may be here today. I don't, I don't know if Catherine's in the house right now, but she will be here tomorrow morning. And ladies, especially, you just don't want to miss this lady. She is a dynamic, engaging speaker, and God just uses her. God just speaks to her. She gets up and she goes, why don't we just tell you about how I led my neighbor to Christ? And you're just captivated. James Merritt will be speaking. I keep pointing out there in the great hall, Terry, but I think it's going to be in here. We're going to be in the great hall. Mm. Preacher, that's my favorite place, the great hall. Thank you. I love that place out there. James Merritt, I hope he shares how he shared the gospel with Michael Jordan. The coolest story. In fact, I'll ask him, would you tell the story of how you shared the gospel with Michael Jordan on the golf course? And then Willie Rice from Florida is going to come. We're going to have a great time. And I'm hoping you'll come and learn better how to engage uh, lostness. So we're talking about the vision. Now I want to talk about the visit. Here it comes. In verse 17, the Bible says, and Peter wondered within himself. Please look at that. If you have your Bible open, it's the wind is blowing. 10, 17. Now, while Peter wondered within himself, a good translation would be, he was thoroughly perplexed. <laughs> God had gotten all over him. He was a mess. God started meddling with his theology, not to mention his methodology. And God has the right to do that. God has the right to do anything God wants to do. And God is doing this in Peter's life. And the Bible says that he's thoroughly doubting and perplexed. He has this crisis of belief. And there they come, the men. The men had traveled the 30 miles from Caesarea to Joppa. It says there's a gate. Did y'all see that in verse 17? The gate that separates the, the thoroughfare, the road. There's a gate and then there's a house. And this was a man who was a common laborer because it doesn't say there was a gate and a courtyard and a house. It just says there was a gate and there was a house. So this man was He's like most of us here. He's just, he's a worker. He, he works hard and he, he didn't have just a, he's not, he's not like Pilate or Caesar and have these big mansions. He just says, look, Peter, what I've got, you come, you just stay with me. And he does. And the people come to the gate. And while Peter is going, Lord, what is happening? What is going on? These people come at the very precise time. I call it the convergence. There's a convergence going on. There is these people from Cornelius, the three people. Peter's in a mess. He, he, he's praying. He's going, God, what, what is happening to me? God, you're messing me up. And about that time, he hears this knock at the gate. Hello? Hello? Is there a guy named... What was his name? What's his name? Simon Peter? Is there a guy named Simon Peter in the house? And Peter's up on the roof goes... Yeah, that's me. What, what's going on? Now, I, I just got to have a little sanctified imagination. Put your place, put yourself in the place of the three men. All right, y'all with me? This is cool. The three men, one's a, a, a soldier. 
The other one are two servants of Cornelius. They have walked 30 miles. They have traveled for two days and the moment has come. I don't, I'm just, maybe it's just me, but I'm, I'm thinking, what if they were thinking, I'm gonna look really stupid. <laughs> if I'm here and I'm, I'm hollering out for a guy named Simon Peter, he just happens to live with a man, Simon the Tanner. Oh my, let's quit. Come on, guys, let's just go back home. This is ridiculous. Let's just go back and tell Cornelius, our boss, he really didn't have this vision from an angel. Oh, an angelic vision. Oh my, are y'all with me? Does God ever ask y'all to do something that looks ridiculous? Does God ever ask you to say, hey, Jesus loves you. God bless you. You know, we did that last night. We, uh, we were coming in from the retirement ceremony in, in Pensacola, Florida. It was such a beautiful ceremony, man. Oh, my word. If you wanted your patriotic blood to boil, you need to go to a military retirement ceremony. And we went to this admiral's, he's spoken here at our church. And he asked me, can I come back and speak again? I'm like, absolutely. So we, we, we're doing that and we're witnessing the people going and coming. And, and last night we, we go to Olive Garden. Can I get a witness? Anybody else like Olive Garden? Thank you. And so soup, salad, breadsticks, life is good. The guy comes to our window because, you know, everything's social distance. And he says, he points at me, he goes, I recognize you. You're the pastor at that church, aren't you? You know how he recognized me? Because I invited him. I've invited him and I invited him again. And then he looked past me and he goes, but I really remember her. <laughs> I said, I know she's a whole lot prettier than I am. And so he goes, yes, she's so nice. And would y'all hold on just a second? I'm gonna go get y'all some free drinks. And he brought back these humongous, what do you call them, martinis, uh, daiquiri looking, th I'm just kidding. He brought back. <laughs> Some of y'all going, uh-huh, come on. No, the sweetest peach tea and um, lemonade. And I said, can, Robert, can we, can we just pray? Can we just pray for you right now? He said, absolutely. And I kid you not, I can't make this up. I mean, I said, I prayed a prayer, a blessing over him. And he said something to me and I'm still kind of going, where'd he get that? He goes, straight from your lips to the heart of God, you just pray. I was like, dude, that's really good. And then he took off and he went to go serve somebody. I tell you, doing stuff like that is so fun. Witnessing the people, you step out and you're going, I'm gonna look pretty foolish. Or did I see Oscar, Priscilla, are they here? Where are y'all? I see you. My son Layton told me what you did about the sign. Can I tell that story? Okay, good. <laughs> I didn't know that he would let me. He got so, this is so cool. Priscilla woke up, her husband's gone, and the sign in their bedroom's gone. The sign that says, as for me and my house will serve the Lord, or what does it say? <laughs> Joshua 1.9. She wakes up. Layton, you told me this yesterday. The sign's gone, the husband's gone. Priscilla's like, where's where my husband? He takes the sign, goes to the street corner and says, if people can protest and cause all kinds of problems, I'm going to stand out here with my sign and just talk to people. And he held up his sign. 
and he got in trouble. <laughs> the police had, they talked to him and police didn't like it. And so he just said, well, can I, can I pray for you? And uh, officer, I don't know how all that went down, but anyhow, praise the Lord. <laughs> I imagine Oscar's probably thinking, here I am, what am I doing? But I just say to that, praise God. Guys, that's what we need. We need more of our Great Hills Baptist Church people to step up, show up. What, what did he tell Peter? Wake up, rise up, go down, go with them, and do not doubt. Oh, man, that will preach. Let me get back to my notes. I always do better, like other people I know if they stay with their notes and their teleprompters. But anyhow, let me, let me get to this. <laughs> And uh, that's for both of them, by the way. Just, just saying. They both do better if they stick to their notes. Verse 20 is awesome. This is it. I'm moving toward the end. I'm saying stuff that I had not planned to say. But anyhow, verse 20. Get up, Peter. I wonder if God's telling you that. Hey, get up. Wake up. Go down. Come down the ladder. Go with them. A, a, a good translation is you yourself, Peter, go and keep on going with them. This is a present middle imperative. So I'm bringing out the middle voice. You yourself, Peter, go with those people and keep going with them. And Peter, do not doubt. Isn't that a good word for us? Go share the gospel. Go take your sign, Joshua 1.9. Go talk to your neighbor. Go Ask your colleague if y'all can go to coffee and you can share your testimony with him. Go with your neighbor, Rick, what you did the other day and just share. Look, this is, this is the voice of God speaking to Peter. And I believe that the Holy Spirit speaking to us today. Get up, rise up, go down, go out and do not doubt. Mm. Now, here's a, here's a word the Lord gave me. I'm gonna share it with you. This is going to rub. It's going to hurt you a little bit. You're going to be wounded. You're going to have some sandpaper going on your soul. It never feels good, but here it comes. This whole passage of Acts chapter 10 deals with sending. Um, actually, the, the Greek word apostello is used. For get up, Peter, go down, for I sent them. Apostello It's where we get the English word apostle, which literally means to be sent. You say, well, that's not so bad. I'm not offended by that. I'm not done. If you have not been sent lately, then you're not walking with God. No, I'm serious. If you have not sensed the Holy Spirit sending you to be a good neighbor, to be a good witness, to do something in his name, to ameliorate to make our culture, to make our world better, then you are not properly hearing God. Because our God is a sending God. For God so loved the world that he did what? He sent his son. And at Pentecost, God so loved the 120, he sent the Holy Spirit. And God so loved Cornelius that he sent the apostle Peter to go, I'm telling you, our God is a sending God. And when you and I are walking with him, we will hear the, get up, 
Get down, go with them, and don't doubt. If you hadn't heard God say that to you in a while, then repent. Just say, God, I have a hardening of the spiritual arteries. I've got wax all in my spiritual ears. God, release that from me and help me hear you. I'm telling you, it's exciting. It's so exciting to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit and speak. Man, praise God, speak on behalf of the kingdom of heaven. God lets us do that. And with authority, with passion and with dunamis and as well as compassion and love and mercy, we speak the name above every name, Jesus. Man, what a life. Man, what a life. Thank you, Lord, for letting me be a part of it. Verse 21, he comes down off the roof. Verse 22, the employees of Cornelius speak of their boss. Man, there's a whole sermon. I will resist the temptation to preach a whole sermon on verse 22, except one thing I want to share with you. Would y'all look at Acts 10, 22. And they said, Cornelius the centurion is a just man who fears God, has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house. Y'all ready? Here it comes. And to hear words from you. Do y'all see that word right there? Words. Y'all see it? Words. Um, that Greek word is not logos. It's rhema. There's a big difference. Rhema is a personal word. So Cornelius, you see, Peter, he, he believes that you have a personal word for him. He thinks that something that you're going to share will alter and change the course of his life and his eternity. If you don't mind, would you come and share a word? Wow, thank you, Lord. This story is amazing. What a great plot. It's building toward this climax, the crescendo. We get a taste of it. Finally, number three is the victory in verse 23. For this Jew to open up his home, exenso is the Greek word. It means to entertain as you would a guest. Y'all with me? And some of you are so good at that. Miss Barbara up here. Some of y'all are amazing at opening up your home bringing people in your home and serving them and loving them, that's what, listen to what John MacArthur said, no self-respecting Jew would have given any lodging to a Gentile, especially to a soldier of the hated Roman occupation army. But Peter did. You know why? Because God trumped God triumphed over his prejudice and racism. That's what happened. He is, he is steeped in this Judaism that says, I am better than you are. I don't eat what you eat. You're dirty. I'm clean. And praise God, Jesus Christ said, that's enough of that. That's enough of that. I'm dying on a cross and I'm rising from the dead and I'm gonna show you Praise God, there's a better way than that. A better way than that. Man, this is the gospel, and Peter, you've got to get it right. 
because the destiny of my church hinges on you going to Cornelius. I'm telling you people, there's a lot going on. Now, knowing God, if Peter just refused, God go get somebody else, amen. <laughs> oh, oh, that gives me a good word. David, listen to this word. God is going to do awesome things in our crazy culture with or without you. By the way, I do not recommend jumping up. Good night. <laughs> Hold on just a second. Oh my word. I'm getting too old for that jumping up now. Thank you, yes. Oh, I gotta go see Dr. Bob. Kathy, I gotta go see him again. Here we go. Um, God is going to do great things at Great Hills Baptist Church, and he has, and he is, and he's gonna do them with us or without us, but I sure hope it's with us and with me. I keep thought, thinking about when I was studying the sermon again this morning, and I went on about a three-mile run, and I just, I got so excited, and I kept preaching the sermon to myself, and and I got to thinking, I thought, I wonder if people are looking at me the way I look at them sometimes. Because I drive by people on Sunday morning and say, you reprobate, why aren't you going to church? I just don't tell you. I'm just telling you. Do y'all ever do that? No, no, really. In my neighborhood, full of people. Out in the road. Walking their dogs. Church is the last thing on their mind. And I wonder if some of the Christians thought that about me this morning. I had a little, almost said blonde hair, little gray-headed reprobate. Why ain't he going to church somewhere? Little did they know I'm coming to church. I'm going to preach. Look, guys, be careful judging people. There's a whole lot going on. There's more that's going on behind the scenes than what you can see in the scene. He takes six men from Joppa according to Acts eleven twelve, And this will change the course of the church. I don't know what all God told y'all in this message, 1203, but God told me a lot. And I, I, just, I just enjoyed the, the study. I wonder how the Holy Spirit would speak to you as I just close this out. Let me, let me just pray with us and we'll prepare to our time of commitment, invitation. Thank you, Oscar, for letting me use you as an illustration. I did not know I was going to do that. Thank you, church family, for being so kind and gracious and engaging and listening to the Word of God. Thank you. Some of you get so excited. Y'all get as excited as I do, and I just love that. God bless you. Holy Spirit, what is he saying? Maybe it's this whole get up, <laughs> go on. You got this, stop doubting. Yeah, but Lord, what if, what if I get fired if I witness, get up, get down, get going, quit doubting. Well, Lord, maybe she will not want to go out with me again if we start talking about Jesus. Uh, get up, get down, go with it, <laughs> quit doubting. Maybe Holy Spirit's just speaking to you right now and he's, he's bringing something up that I said earlier, you didn't like it then, you're not liking it now, but it went something like, if you haven't been sent 
recently, you're not hearing God clearly. Because I'm telling you, church, our God is a sending God. And if you're like me, you're, you're wanting people to be sent to you to help you and to minister to you. And all the while, God is going, yeah, but when you go, you'll get the healing you're looking for. And when you go, you'll be such a blessing, you'll begin to forget about what was bothering you. Now, I am, my head is bowed, my eyes are closed, but I'm, I'm praying for tonight. I really am praying at six o'clock. I pray that you come. I don't ask you often to do stuff outside of normal worship times. I know there used to be a time we would have church on Sunday night. Uh, there was a time before COVID, we would have Wednesday night, have a great Wednesday night program. And I love teaching on Wednesday night to men. And, and I, we're not doing any of that. This is a crazy day, but tonight, tonight's gonna be interesting. I'm so excited to hear Jeff and Lori. They're going to be leading us in worship. Pastor Johnny's going to be preaching. And then in the morning, I just think the Holy Spirit may have something up his sleeve. That he wants to tell us all something and encourage us and challenge us. So I'm, in, I'm inviting you. That's all I can do. I, I'm just inviting you. And a multitude of people is the king's honor. And in the lack of people is the downfall of a prince. That's so interesting that I read that this morning in my quiet time. So I'm asking you to come. And Lord, I'm asking you to do what only you can do. I'm praying, God, right now you'd save people. Save people, Lord, who are listening online. Holy Spirit, speak to them in Alabama, because I know they're listening. They told me they were listening. I'd speak to them, Lord, in, in Virginia. They listen every Sunday. Speak to her in Indiana, Lord. I know they're listening. Every, to, every week they listen. Would you reach from this place to their heart and here's my prayer, God, for them and for us right here. Here it is, Lord. If they know you, God, empower them, Jesus, to live for you, to share your gospel, to be a bold witness for you. That's my prayer. If they don't know you, God, bring them on in. Bring them into the family. I love you, Lord. You're awesome. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeff, won't you come lead us in a time of contemplation and song? Appreciate it.